Good afternoon, and welcome to our Community Readiness Podcast. Today is April 12th, 2023. Uh, today with me is Dispatcher April Verbecki. She's one of our 911 center dispatchers, uh, one of our senior dispatchers now. Uh, April started with us in 2008. Uh, so she's been with us just shy of 15 years, um, and she's been an integral part of our, our dispatch center. And it's a honor to have you here this week because it is National Telecommunicators Week this week, uh, yeah. honoring our 911 dispatchers um, and the importance of their job. And um, I'm excited to have you here because there's so much more to law enforcement than just what we see every day of, of a patrol car driving around in the, in the streets. The majority of the time, officers responding to runs don't just happen upon those runs. Maybe they run, run in an accident. Once in a while in the subdivision, someone may come running out and, and talking to them. But the majority of our calls for service start with uh, our team and dispatch, uh, and you're an integral part of that. So happy 911 week Thank um, you. for you guys. <laughs> Thank and, you. Um, talk to us a little bit about dispatch. What's what's Why do you like the dispatch room? I like it because it's constantly something different. There's so much going on in there. You have admin lines, you have 911 calls, we have dispatching on the radio, and almost every single call is different. So it's just constantly changing. And every phone call is different. Yes, every yeah. phone call is different. The technology is constantly changing and improving. So. Yeah, and if you go into our dispatch center, you know sometimes it almost looks like a spaceship with all the uh, computer screens that we have. Yeah, we're up to ten now. <laughs> yeah, and, and how many when you started? I believe there's four. In 15 years, a six, an increase of yes. six computer monitors. But each of those computer centers or each one of those that new technology helps us um, every day, and whether it's for the officers on the road um, that you're dispatching cars to, or the dispatchers themselves. Um, Obviously, when you started, we didn't have vehicle locators um, to know who's right. the closest, you know, person or officer to a yeah. call. Um, so in 2022, just some fun facts that we have written down. Um, we took 16,391 calls in 2022. How many dispatchers are on a shift? Uh, three is when, when our max. Staffed. Yeah, when we're full staffed, usually two. Okay, so we took 16,391 calls. Um, those are emergency-related calls. And then we took 42,200 administrative or non-emergency phone calls, um, which seems like a lot for maybe what we have a total of 13 people with our dispatch supervisor. Yes. So it keeps you guys pretty busy yes. in there. Um, and now we have text to 911. Can you explain that a little bit and how that works? Um, so every center in Oakland County now has text 911. So it's just like when you dial 911. Now, if you text 911, it goes to the closest center. Um, and, you know, obviously it's always best to call if you can, just because it's quicker to get information through calling. But if you can't call, text 911 is a great alternative. You know, if you're not able to speak on the phone, you know, that comes right to us. And um, it's the same as if you're calling, we can, you know, attempt to get your location and get you emergency services. Right, and and with those, with all the new increased technology, back when we started, or even when I started, you know, not too long before you, but if somebody called 911 and they didn't answer, or and there was a, it's an empty line, we would just call the number back. Correct. Um, now, you call 911 and if, you have to do multiple things. One, we have to check uh, TDD, right, for the hearing impaired, yes. and we'll talk about that in one second. But you also send a text 
to see if somebody is on that other end of the line, correct? To see correct. if it's, you know, or we may send a text back to that phone if nobody was on that line to see if there is an emergency. Um, so with that extra technology, it just becomes added responsibility and more. Let's talk about the TDD real quick, because most, I don't think a lot of people even recognize that when we get a call, if there's nobody on the other end of that line, you guys follow a procedure in case somebody is hearing impaired. Yes, so um, actually with the newer technology, our phones recognize if it's a TDD call and we get a sound um, letting us know that it's someone calling on a TDD phone. Um, and we practice every single month to make sure that uh, we know how to use the system and that it's still working, that everything's going through fine. Um, so that is something that we make sure that we're up to date on every single month. Yeah. Um, and it, it comes through similar to like a text where we can message back and forth. Yeah, and you know, there's push out there for dispatchers to be considered officially first responders. And let's hope the legislation um, acts on that and, and recognizes you guys as actual first responders. Because again, we talked at the beginning, I made the comment at the beginning about the importance of your job in, into officer safety one, but to the residents. And to the credit of the 911 caller, and we've been, you know, a lot more nowadays on the meet with the, with the actual media, you'll hear the 911. You may hear yourself on a newscast that night um, dispatching a call because of the high priority nature of that call, as we've seen in the past. So, in in, in a moments of crisis like that or moments of emergency, um, the adrenaline for the dispatcher is no different, um, at a different level than the officer, but there's still yes. an adrenaline that goes with it. But you have to remain calm. Yes. Correct? Yes, that is the, the main point of our jobs, stay calm. Uh, and, you know, there's a push federally to make us first responders um, because really we are the first ones to hear the emergency. We're the ones providing, you know, medical support until the paramedics get there. Um, so hopefully that legislation will change because right now we're considered clerical, which is what we do is way beyond that <laughs> way beyond that and you know it's it was uh interesting our treasurer uh, brian keeps came down to our dispatch center just the other day to ask a question um and i don't know if you were in there the day that it happened but we had a retail fraud in progress going on and a felonious assault going on at the same time and there was only two dispatchers in the room to think that's a clerical job um and that's not to discredit because obviously every job's important but the significance of that job at that time is really second to none and you've got the, i think our dispatchers heard heard me say it many times i don't know many well every job has an importance i can't think of a job every day that has a more of importance than a 911 operator i don't care what agency they work for um and in the fact that we don't know if it's going to be a call just to ask what time it is as we get those um or is it going to be the call of, of an active aggressor active shooter at a, at a location or is there a, a child injured so for you guys to remain calm um, in times like that, how do you deal with that? Is that, I mean, it, it's gotta be difficult at times. It is difficult. Um, fortunately, we have continuous training as dispatchers. And um, one of those trainings is um, stress management. So that's very huge for us um, going through stress management training. Um, they focus a lot on mental health and uh, breathing techniques, how to keep yourself calm in certain situations, and just how to decompress after a bad call. 
Um, and that's just very important. Yeah. And we're lucky at our agency. Um, you know, you get to some large agencies, the dispatcher never really has closure to that call. Right, you may you may go from yeah. one nine one one if you're a phone operator um, that day to the next nine one one call that could just be as just significant as the other. Um, where at least in our agency, we're, we have such a good relationship with the officers, and the officers have access to our dispatch center um, that you guys can get some kind of closure. But you don't know the closure when you end that call, right? No, yeah, but fortunately, you know, we can talk to our officers, our firefighters, and we can usually get that information, that follow-up, just so that we know what happened. And that that's really helpful. So I can't imagine being at a center where you can't have that closure. Like right. every call is just open-ended. You mentioned training. Um, you know, I think there could be some misperceptions when you don't know um, anything about a 911 dispatcher and the amount of training that's required and continuing education that's required um, for, for a dispatcher. So. I, and our agency is obviously big on sending our dispatchers to training and getting you involved in different committees. But what does some of the training look like for you guys, whether it's and, and what type of continuing education training? Is it voluntary based or is there certain classes you have to take or? There are certain classes that the state of Michigan requires. Um, and then there are some that are more, um, you know, by choice. Um, a lot of them that we have to take. Besides the stress management, we take classes on domestic violence, suicidal callers. Um, we have all kinds of different training, just you know, on emergency medical dispatching, on providing pre-arrival instructions for CPR and childbirth, those kind of things. So we have a lot of continuing education. Yeah, and you, you mentioned EMD, emergency medical dispatching, yes. which is rather new to our agency, right? Yes. Um, well, I say new year, year and a half probably now. Um, let's talk about that a little bit. What What is emergency medical dispatching? So that is when we take a medical call. Um, it's the system we use that goes through getting, you know, the basic information if someone's conscious, if they're breathing, and then there's a series of questions that will help us to give them instructions while the paramedics are en route. So whether it's, you know, the Heimlich or providing CPR or labor instructions to, um, you know, apply, applying pressure to something, someone that's bleeding, you know? So, so added responsibility. Yes, yes. It's just, it's just more of a, a responsibility that we add on to our dispatchers. Um, and it's, unfortunately, at times it's dictated by our legislators who really don't know what a dispatcher truly does. And so it's so much more than just answering a phone call. There's, there's so much more Correct. to officer safety, to our, the welfare of our residents um, that goes into to your job. Um, you're a, communi a communications training officer, uh, CTO. We've talked in previous podcasts um, about our field training officers, which communication training is you know just as important. Um, What's it look like? You know, that's what, 17, 20 weeks for a new? Yeah, so, so what we start out with is um, we first will train them on the non-emergency phones. Um, then we go into doing radio training. From there, you go into doing 911 calls, the EMD training. And then from there, you go to fire training. Um, so it's a lot. Yeah, it's, it's, a, lot. it's a lot. It's a lot of pressure on a dispatcher, especially, yeah. you know, we talk about when an officer's training somebody and you have an experienced officer who's been doing it for so long and you have you, but that call comes in 
where we're trying to train somebody properly, but we also need to make sure that in, in a timely fa ma you know, fashion yes. that our officers are getting dispatched or fire department uh, is getting dispatched to those runs. So that's kind of tough at times, right? You just want to yeah. take over, but you know. Yeah, you, you definitely have to have patience to let them go through the learning process. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned a few things in there that I think that just, again, adds to, to the workload that a dispatcher faces. So, you, so we dispatch for, our, obviously, our police department. Um, you dispatch for our fire department. And then you also dispatch for Franklin. Um, so at any given day, I mean, there could be multiple things going on. What else? I mean, how many radio channels do you listen to in a day? Oh, gosh. At the, I, at, wait, wait. <laughs> not at the day. At the same time. At the same time? A lot, a lot. We we not only have like all of our radio channels, then we have all our area departments that we listen to, and then we have specific channels where we talk to each other, the different agencies. Yeah, and I think one good thing, and for our residents to know, is that in all of Oakland County, in the event there was an emergency at our dispatch center where we had to evacuate, um, or in the event of an emergency or critical incident in another dispatch center we could send our resources or vice versa. They could send our resources to our um, center or we could go to their center and plug in because we use the same phones, we use the same radios and you would be able to sit down at, you know, if it was Troy that needed help, we could send you to Troy and you could sit down and operate just as you do in Blue Yeah, it's, it's nice. So we could, you know, go to Troy, sign on and dispatch our department from their station if we needed to in an emergency. Which is, I think, just another benefit to what we do. Um, and those partnerships are so important. And one of the things we, we probably should talk about is it, what if it did happen? What if our 911 lines did go down? Or what if our radio system did go down? What happens? We, I mean, we have that ability. Yeah, that's what's great that we all have the same computer system so that we, we can help each other out. Yeah. And then if the other one of these agencies, again, one of our border agencies has something going on, based on listening to all those radio channels. I, I know you guys get it from me. I'll call down yeah. and be like, hey, what's going on over in Auburn Hills? What, I, you know, I hear all this stuff going on. And typically you guys know because you're monitoring all these different radio channels at the same time. Um, so in 2023, so far, um, we talked about 2022 stats. Uh, year to date, we've taken 4,505 911 calls, just about 15,000 non-emergency calls. Um, and 114 text messages, which now text, we get, can get some text messages from alarm companies, correct? Yes. Yeah. Um, so another new technology. Yeah. Um, but let's talk about some storms. We had a couple storms here in the, in, within the last yes. month or two. Um, on February 22nd was one of the storms. You guys took 871 total calls in that day. Um, for, yes. For the majority of that, I think, was on, was that on... Nights, maybe for that one, the ice it storm. It was. I think both of those were kind of spread out between nights and the next day. Um, and I was working nights for for both of those storms, and they did seem to they did seem they to did, occur on your uh, yes on your shift. Eight hundred seventy one calls, plus all the radio traffic. Yes, plus dispatching every single call, making sure everyone gets called back. It's a lot. So. <laughs> You mentioned everyone gets called back. When someone calls 911 and it's an abandoned call, but we still get the phone number, we call all those back? Yes. To verify? Yes, to verify that they don't have an emergency. Right. Because it's inevitable that during a storm, um, and I believe during one of these storms, we had other emergency calls going on, 
within this within the township unrelated to necessarily the storm we still have family right. troubles we still have car accidents we still have you know people needing our assistance in an emergency yeah. fa fashion um, that would require that of those 871 calls some of those obviously are duplicating those aren't calls for service right that the officers are right those are to. actual phone, phone calls, calls. Um, but in the majority of those usually fall within not 24 hour period Storms don't usually last 24 right. hours. They, they at least last for, but on top of those calls, let's say we that you know we get five callers on a side on one of the streets that says they got wires down in their yard and they're causing a fire. What challenges does that pose you? Because we have to notify. Um, yeah, we have to. You know, we get the fire department out there. We um, contact DTE, and of course, during a storm, DTEs. You know they have a lot going on as well so we're not the only agency calling them you don't have a special number for dte <laughs> no we do not oh okay <laughs> um and that's one thing i think I, I say it jokingly but we don't have a special number we use the same reporting method as, as the general public yes um and even if they did have a special number the storm typically doesn't only centralize over bloomfield township you have every other police agency around or fire agency around calling um that so it's not uncommon for someone else one of the you know we have dispatch trained officers as well um but it's one of them will jump in to try to help you guys out and there you ladies out in there to um take over some of that phone calls but just to give an idea 871 total calls and if i remember correctly that was in a seven i mean it was that's for the 24-hour period but i remember it being close to four or five hundred calls um yeah in a six hour period i remember you texted me that yeah night, actually because i texted yeah. are you guys good um and then on march 3rd we had another storm uh, and we took 749 total calls, um, where our, our non-storm average is about 400 calls, you know, phone calls, that is, for there. But on top of that, the challenges posed in, we get a lot of phone calls that are, I don't want to say unnecessary, because when people are calling, they, they feel the need to call. So I don't want to, but it puts the challenge on us, because they think we have this extra, or we have the magic power to turn their power back on. Yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of times people will think that we... But DTE contacts us and that we know when the power will be back on or, um, you know, how long it will be off. And unfortunately, we don't have that information. Yeah. So let's give some guidance. When people are calling 911, um, let's do it in two different ways here. Somebody that's calling 911 to report a, you know, um, minor car accident, which we encourage them to do if they're on the side of the road, they're not, they might not know the jurisdiction they're in. When they dial 911, it goes to the, usually typically the tower that they're on, correct? Correct. Um, if it gets stuck on a tower in Southfield and they're still there, it's going to go to Southfield's um, dispatch center, but they'll transfer it to us. Yes. Um, but let's just say it's in Bloomfield Township. They get an accident, it's minor. We encourage them to call 911. It's not a life or death emergency. Uh, what are some things they should have ready for us? Um, the most important is definitely the location. Um, and then we typically ask name phone number we ask for descriptions of the vehicle and um, whether anyone is injured and then um, we also typically ask them to get out of the roadway if possible um, just because it's safer for them if they're able to pull into a parking lot or at least onto the shoulder out of traffic just so that we're not causing more road hazards yeah um 911 calls somebody's frantic what's the best thing they can do as, as they're talking to you Take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. Yes, take a deep breath and um, provide us with the address and um, exactly what's going on. And what's important there is if they're talking to you, help's on the way. 
Yes. Right. So that yes. while while they can, we expect them to be many callers to be frantic or, or upset. Yeah. Um, knowing you're on the phone, just because you're asking those questions, is it slowing us down? No. And I think that's a lot of people think that when I'm asking questions, it's slowing them down, but it's definitely not. And a lot of times, asking those questions will help them you know, kind of focus and um, calm down a little bit. Yeah. And sometimes the dispatcher may be, I don't want to say forceful, I'm going to use that word, but direct with them to kind of calm them down because when we're so frantic or somebody's a caller is so frantic, we can't get the information and we can't get help there. Um, so we're, you know, there may be a time where a dispatcher's like, I need you to calm down, even though we're trying to put ourselves in their situation, but at the same time, we're trying to get them help. One thing they can't hear though, is that, you know, you're on a headset in the room, but if you're talking to the police officers, they can't hear that. No. Correct? Correct. So they think we're slowing down, but in the meantime, you may be relaying information as you're getting it live to the officers responding to that scene. And I think that's important because those questions are just assisting us down the road, but you're still given the information. Um, again, that multitasking that we ask you to do um, and hoping you don't miss anything. Um, so some of the challenges in the room. Um, you know, obviously you're working with the same people every day. Um, so we have personalities in a room, and but the cohesiveness of a team, the importance of that team in that room is um, almost critical to the operations. Yeah, I, th I think we have a really great center, and I think we have great people that we all work together, and we're really great working as a team and communicating with each other. Um, it's really nice to see um, just how we can, you know, we're all doing multiple things at one time, but can still communicate with each other. Yeah. And a downtime may only last, it only takes one phone call to make things go from a really slow day to a to really, really busy, busy yeah. day, you know, um, even like now weather's breaking. Our call volume typically increases, especially as the weather breaks um, that we do in there. Um, let's talk about premise info a little bit, what we call premise info or CAD alerts or CAD calls for our residents who may have elderly parents who, you know, kids live out of state. Um, or the children live out of state and the parents live here alone, um, how do we assure them that we know what's going on at their home, whether it's, you know, premise or... Yeah, so we have premise information that we can put. So if we put in a call in our CAD system, um, we can pull up names, phone numbers. Um, you know, some people will tell us if they have like a garage code, something where we can get in, or if, um, you know, they have special circumstances at a house where... Um, we can alert officers responding to that information. Um, so if we know that there's, you know, an elderly person that lives there alone, you know, we can take, you know, that information and, you know, maybe make entry into the home to check on them if their family lives yeah. out of state. Our special needs, we have a lot of special needs um, in our community. And sometimes just by the description, you guys, based on the information we'll have, will know, oh, that's you know, so-and-so, um, so we can get the whole of their parents, but we can also put that information in our systems too, correct? Correct. That, you know, we, and we actually, our officers have, um, the dispatchers created forms in the past where we can actually give parents and we can put pictures of, of maybe we have a nonverbal autistic. Yeah, if we have someone who walks away often or someone who maybe um, gets triggered by lights or sirens, you know, we can have that information in our system. Yeah, and I was talking to one of our residents today just about school-related matters and Nobody's bothering us if they call 911 or our non-emergency line if it's not an emergency, correct? Correct. We That's, want this people is what to, we're here for. Right. We want people to call us. We yes. want to be able to go check out any type of incident that's going on. Um, so it's not a bother if they're calling us. You know, um, during a storm, 
you know, we don't want you to, if, if it's a, you know, ice storm and you have an identity theft, well, maybe wait, you know, a couple hours before, but that's not a crime in progress. But if it's something in progress, a suspicious person, um, a car accident for sure in the roadway, uh, something that seems, you know, unsafe, let us know, call us. You're not bothering a dispatcher. The dispatchers are friendly voices. Yes. They're there to help <laughs> us or, or yeah, Everybody. and we would rather, you know, go out and find it that it's nothing rather than ignoring it be something important. Yeah. Um, we can finish up by just talking a little bit about mental health. Um, you know, we talk a lot about how we affect our community, right? We're, we, we are going on many more mental health runs, you know, nowadays, um, especially post-COVID or, you know, and during COVID. Um, but as first responders, we sometimes forget about ourselves um, because we're and we. But we know so well how to help that person on the phone when they call, right? Yeah. We can give all the advice in the world, but nobody knows five minutes ago what phone call you may have taken, or were you able to step away when that that high adrenaline um, call happens? What do we do as you know? What do you guys do as dispatchers to try to maintain that mental health and that? mental well that that well-being because you do t you, an officer go we, we all go on the same amount of calls but you may take what well, i may go on the one call and be tied up on it for two or three hours but you took four of those calls that the officers are on right right so you're touching almost every call unless we spontaneously come across it yes um well i think with our stress training a lot of it now um they're including you know, mental health and how to take care of yourself, which is really great. And that's part of the the push to get uh, dispatchers uh, reclassified so that we there is more funding similar to what there is for police and firefighters for mental health. Good. And, I, and we think it's important. And, and we're, again, I talk about how fortunate we are. And I think our residents need to understand how fortunate we are to have our own center. And I, that is not to, you know, talk bad or, or, or disqualify any other center because I would rely on them. We rely on them just as much in a, in a different way. And I'd be very you know comfortable if we had to be dispatched or, or had to be assisted by another agency. But we're, you, our, our dispatchers are vested in the community. We know our community. We are, you, you guys know the area. Um, so there's little things that are a big deal to us to have our own center. Um, and with us when we know and we're big as an administration that when there are big incidents, we can include the dispatchers on the debriefs. Years ago, that wasn't a thing. It was the officers were debriefed because they saw the you know unfortunate incident that they were on, but we some, sometimes forgot about uh, including the dispatchers to give them that closure and that debriefing as well. And I think that's something that's really changing countywide, um, or I would say nationwide. Yeah. I, I think as these larger scale incidents happen, the high risk, low frequency calls that we've seen, unfortunately, in Nashville two weeks ago and Kentucky yesterday, those calls came into a dispatcher. That dispatcher feels a sense of ownership and responsibility um, to, the, to those callers, to those, I mean, and those are critical incidents. Yeah, um, and I mean, those dispatchers are getting, I imagine, multiple calls for that one incident. So they're talking to multiple people in a crisis situation. Right. Um, and we've had our own in, in Bloomfield Township. And again, it happens anywhere and everywhere. Um, and the good news is, is we have that interoperability with our partners and, and um, around us. 
and I know the dispatchers, when we talk about mental health, we, we have a blast with our sense of humor, um, but we have to have that stuff in order to survive this job. Um, and the, obviously the support of our coworkers, we rely on our coworkers, our peer yes. support teams in order to do it. So um, again, I'm, I'm very happy you were here today. It's an honor, yeah. it was so good because I, I said, I, when I asked Meg, you know, does somebody wanna come on with me? And she said, it's perfect because it's dispatcher week. Yeah. And uh, so I think our mm -hmm. residents need to know how important you are to our operations and all of our dispatchers are to our operation. And um, hopefully, you know, our residents at times can see what, what the true value um, is and the ones who have called you, I guarantee you know the true value. So I thank you for being here today. Thank you so much um, for having me. We're gonna me. take a break, but uh, as we talked about in the past, we've, we're still hiring in Bloomfield Township and uh, in partnership with our cable studio, we created some recruiting videos and welcome videos and uh, we'll go ahead and play the welcome video now. We'll be back. When I was about five years old, um, I went to a fair with my family and I saw an officer, an ex-canine officer, and I was like, oh, I want to do that when I grow up. I actually did an interview at the academy and after that I set up a ride-along and the ride-along was great. After I completed my bachelor's degree, I thought to myself, there's something more I want to do. And with law enforcement, I've always had an interest in law enforcement. I just never acted on it until I got my bachelor's degree. I had a personal experience when I was a nanny, and the kid I nannied for got killed by a drunk boater, and that's part of the reason I became a police officer. I left the Marine Corps in 2017, and I used my degree working in marketing for four years. I had been unhappy in the job I was previously in, and I put myself through the police academy. It's not an overly busy department. You know, we do have our handful of, of big crimes. You're not gonna be running from major crime to major crime to major crime. Your workday is actually what you make it. So above the calls that you get dispatched, there's plenty of time to go out there and be a proactive police officer and kind of dabble a little bit in what is your specific interest in police work and seek out the crime. Well, the community itself is, is very supportive of our police department and we are very fortunate to have that here. It's a good size department but it's not so big where you get lost. As far as the camaraderie goes within the department, it's great. Roll call is probably one of the funnest times on shift. Getting to go out to these different calls and, and hanging with these guys or girls is a, is a bonus. I think that's the biggest thing, is the respect and friendliness. And we have a lot of amenities here. We can work out on duty um, during our breaks for lunch. There's so much more. I just, I really like working here. From the time of my ride-along at the start of the application process to the final interview to the job offering, it, it's been nothing but a great experience. Wouldn't want to be anywhere else. It's the people here, people I work with every night. It's a great place to be and couldn't have made a better choice. I know for me, it's an honor to work here. This is a department that I knew as soon as I heard about them, this is where I wanted to work and where I wanted to continue and hopefully work my whole career here. Welcome back to our podcast. I want to update the community on some incidents that have occurred in Bloomfield Township or on our borders that affect Bloomfield Township over the last two weeks. Uh, first, we are back uh, with our overtime patrols on Woodward for the Woodward noise. We are well aware of the complaints within the police department in our community, reference the racing noise or the noise within our community. One of the challenges that we run into are the laws that we can enforce. 
uh, based on the noise. The second is the some of the noise is actually not in Bloomfield Township. It may be in a bordering jurisdiction, but it radiates into Bloomfield Township. Uh, we will have our extra patrols out, which hopefully will deter some of these car clubs from uh, congregating and racing on Woodward. You know, we, we encourage the uh, peaceful strolling along Woodward. However, when it becomes racing or uh, a nuisance to our neighborhoods, we, we're well aware of it and we try to help the community out as best as we can within the laws. We. Uh, Unfortunately, we can't violate laws, but we can enforce what we can enforce, and we do we do, do that. Uh, in relation to that, we did uh, the city of Pontiac and the sheriff's department responded to an accident two weeks ago on South Boulevard uh, near Center Point, which is just west of the Bloomfield Township border. Uh, at late at night, early in the morning, there was a serious, significant fatal car accident uh, based on the drag racing along the South Boulevard corridor. Again, we're, we will be meeting with our county commissioners and commissioners here in the near future and all of our local jurisdictions who are affected by this drag racing or, or reckless driving, which is important to our community. Again, we will we'll do our best to put an uh, end to that and to deter this that type of behavior um, in there. We also, on this past Saturday, uh, I believe it was on the 8th, Bloomfield Township assisted the Auburn Hills Police Department, along with 14 other agencies that re responded to the Great Lakes Crossing Mall uh, on a report of an active shooter. I just wanted to give it an update. Uh, I'm sure we had residents there at the time, and it goes back to some of our other podcasts when we talk about our our uh, partnerships with the other jurisdictions. Uh, Auburn Hills did request assistance uh, due to that. Um, incident. There was no active shooter at the mall. Uh, there was some miscommunication amongst uh, while there was a fight in the mall. It had nothing to do with gunshots and uh, Auburn Hills responded appropriately uh, by somebody yelling through the mall that there were shots fired. Uh, all of Oakland County responded, just about every agency that was available uh, and supplied manpower. The entire mall was cleared. Uh, I was on scene there and was very proud to see the numerous agencies work in cooperation uh, along with the command staff and, and the officers from Auburn Hills who responded quickly and appropriately to that scene without hesitation, which is important uh, based on some of the outcomes we've seen across the country um, you know, in the last few months. Uh, the, our police departments stand ready for these high-risk, low-frequency incidents, and we train for these incidents, and uh, hopefully we never experience them, but we train as if when it will happen, not if it will happen. Uh, we go back to some of the cases we've had recently. Um, car accidents seem to be our, our number one uh, complaint again this past week um, in certain areas of the township. Um, we did make 14 arrests in the last week uh, for various uh, driving offenses, the major majority of them, that are drugs, uh, drug arrests. We are continuing to see an increase in auto thefts and vehicle uh, break-ins, the majority of these vehicles. So all of 2022, we had 38 total vehicles stolen. Already this year, um, in, in 2023, we're up about 24 vehicles stolen. Just about every vehicle has had the key fob left in the vehicle, uh, and the majority of the cars that have been gone through have been unlocked. It is very important that the fobs including if they're in your garage, are taken out of the vehicles. They can't be started, and we're not seeing people uh, hotwire cars like years ago. Um, these vehicles are being stolen, and joy, um, 
used as joyrides. Uh, the majority of the vehicles that were stolen, we have recovered. There were very little damage to them. Uh, they were basically used to get from one place to another. Um, but we want to encourage our residents to please take your fobs out of your cars and please lock your doors in your driveways. Uh, our our last few podcasts, we talked about our uh, Troy Surveillance uh, Special Investigations Unit that we're part of, and they had another successful week. Uh, they were involved in a organized retail fraud crew that they were following around, and they hear, hit home here in uh, Bloomfield Township at one of our local stores. And uh, during that, uh, they witnessed uh, high-end thefts and were able to uh, coordinate with the Bloomfield Township Police uh, Patrol units and made an arrest in that case and solved several uh, retail fraud crimes. Uh, we, we're still seeing identity thefts um, and property crimes seem to be the trend over the last two weeks. Uh, so again, we just encourage our residents uh, to see, if they see something, say something. Uh, it is never a bother to give us a call. Uh, we are here for you and to serve our residents. And again, I want to, you know, give a uh, shout out to our dispatchers on 911 telecommunicators week. Their job is vital to the to the police department and, and the operations and to our residents' safety. So. With that, we'll uh, uh, end our podcast for today, and we'll see you in two weeks.